0: So the name of the podcast is Imperfect Action and I'm struggling with a little bit of imperfect action today. Today's episode with Craig Ross, we had a great conversation and there was a glitch in the recording and so now I've got to make a decision and the glitch is just things got a little bit out of sync. So as you listen to it, uh, sometimes we're talking over each other a little bit and sometimes there's weird pauses. Uh, I, I can tell you during the conversation we were not talking over each other. And it was a great conversation with Craig. I've known Craig for, for quite a while now and was thrilled that he joined me on the podcast. So, uh, really the choice that came down to do we try and recreate that conversation, which is almost impossible to do, or do we put it out there and know that there's a few glitches in it, know that a couple places, you know, people are talking over each other so it's kind of hard to hear what's happening. Knowing that, you know, 95 plus percent of it is great content and great ideas and great thoughts. And so I'm erring on that side. Uh, let's get great content out there and learn from it what we can. And if it's a little bit glitchy, all right, we'll deal with that. Not what I would prefer, uh, but better than not doing it all. And so keeping with the spirit, keeping with the theme of the podcast, we are going to take just imperfect action move forward. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Welcome
1: to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards, and of course, this is the podcast where we're always looking for information and inspiration and ideas to help us get unstuck, get out of our own way, take that first step, take that next step in moving forward, whether we're growing a business, starting a side hustle, working on our careers, or just taking on those big projects in our life. And of course, we have a wide variety of guests on the show, really excited to have Craig Ross on. Craig is a, a friend, mentor, former supervisor uh, from a decade or so ago and up to big things in the world. And Craig, could you give the listeners a little bit more of an introduction than that?
2: First of all, Brock, pleasure joining you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yes, I'm honored to, to be the owner and CEO for an organization called Varus Global. We're located in Denver, Colorado. We work globally. We have for the last 25 years. Continuing to learn and refine, serve successful leaders who understand that the reason why most teams can't successfully execute their plans is because they're distracted, overly stressed, and disconnected from what's really important. And so we have a, a process that allows them to scale inspired collaboration. So collaborative leadership is uh, our area of expertise. And uh, you know that well, you and I did some great work together, and it's, it's just a pleasure for me to join you in this discussion.
1: All right, so you you said scale collaborative. What was the the next word there? Leadership, scale, collaborative, collaborative leadership. All right, so uh, well, let's dig in right there, Craig. So, what what is collaborative leadership, and how do you how do you scale leadership?
2: One of the things that you know is so important is that we we've in our industry anywhere and anyway, and most leaders know what's necessary for let's say high performing teams. We know we need to have, of course, purpose. You need to have uh, role clarity. You need to have, of course, resource allocation, all those things that we're we're taught in school. But one of the things that underneath that is the human component. And this one's so seldom touched on, both in academia as well as in the workplace. And so in our 25 years and, and studying, of course, the research giants, Daniel Golan, Kahneman, I'm a big fan of both of those and others. There's this human dynamic underneath that really plays a role in how we connect as human beings, how we're able to bring our best, bring out the best in each other, and then partner together across the enterprise to deliver on shared objectives. And so we, we support leaders in establishing, not just for their team, but in able to scale it across the organization, the ability to focus on what matters, uh, become energized around a shared reality and truthfully mobilize hearts and minds forward. So um, that's just a taste of, of some of the ways we're serving uh, our client partners.
1: Yeah. So what what causes, like, so you mentioned that we, we all know that people are, are distracted, uh, disconnected. And I, I imagine there's a lot of reasons for that, but how can leaders help prevent that or get people beyond that?
2: Yeah, one of the things, of course, it, uh, we're big believers that it focus, 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 and, and even more today, of course, with the interruptions due to technology, but also because of the way organizations are are structured, the way they're organized. There are multiple ways that organizations can organize themselves. Of course, our client partners mostly function in matrixed organizations. Um, and, and you're seeing that even in midsize companies now, to the extent that, uh, well, perhaps we didn't see it just a few years ago. And so this matrix approach, now suddenly I, I, I have my functional boss, of course, but I also have a, a, a relationship to perhaps the field, uh, someone within uh, our research and development uh, division I might have to report to, all depends on how the organization is structured. So now you have, of course, uh, let's just use those words, two bosses, if you will, but I also have my own career aspirations. And so you've got this incredible collision of motives. You've got these incredible collisions of of objectives. And one of the things that we know is critical is leaders that do big things, teams that do big things, have the ability to, in the moment, ensure that everybody in the room or on the phone is able to focus on what matters most.
1: So with, with a million things going on, you know, my, my watch goes off, lets me know that I got an email, a text, someone tweeted something about me that's happening with everyone in the meeting, plus all the background thoughts going off in their heads, thinking about the work they should be doing while they're not sitting in the meeting. What's the, uh, I hate to use the word trick, but how do you help them all come into alignment, all come into focus when there is so much going on in the back of their heads? Yeah.
2: Well, for starters, um, let's, uh, I'll share one, one. One approach that doesn't work, uh, but is often tried, and then I'll I'll share an idea in terms of what your listeners can use in their very next meeting. Um, What we know that doesn't work is that we just make this assumption that professionals will act professionally. We see this all the time that people think, "Hey, if we hire talented people, talented people, talented people, that's the that's the answer." Yes, we need talented people, but talented people don't necessarily team or collaborate in talented ways for the reasons that you've just identified among others. And so one of the things we know is that changing behaviors is not an intellectual exercise. It's the business of the heart. Again, Goleman, Kahneman and others are very, very, they make this abundantly clear that we are emotional beings and emotions determine what we focus on. And so what can leaders do in their very next meeting? The type of question that they ask allows us to tap into the motivations but excuse me the emotions that are ruling the day for most leaders and so we have a a tool that's called the energy map and the energy map has three parts to it it basically maps the emotions and and when when leaders understand that hey there's challenges our teammates are struggling with issues or they're emotionally upset about something boy it we're negligent as leaders if we don't acknowledge that, if we don't acknowledge the distractions by asking what we call a backward focused question. So for example, we're starting a meeting and we might say, what, what is the cost if we don't focus right now and deliver on this objective that we have, this shared objective? Um, so we're actually understanding that cost. Now that's a backward focused question. It's equally important, if not more so, that we then ask a forward focused question. And that is, of course, what's the greatest reward for all of us when we do focus and dedicate this time to delivering on our objective? Those are just some sample questions as it relates to the focus.
1: Okay, great. So, I mean, and I, I guess, I'm, Craig, my head's kind of stuck on this idea of scaling leadership, maybe because I, I've never thought about those words put together. And what does that mean for the organization what does that mean for the team when you scale collaborative leadership
2: so it's it's um it's a great question and it's one that i'm i'm a bit fascinated by that, that we're not seeing we know we know people are aware of it we're seeing the experts tell us often enough but when we look at how people are developing leaders and how they're developing their organizational culture and so forth um i'm i'm a bit amazed that that um We're not leveraging and utilizing the wisdom that the research is providing. It basically comes down to this, Brock. We know that professionals learn best. They learn most effectively. They become better leaders, better employees, better teammates on the job with knowledge that's presented by peers in small episodes. And particularly, here's the fourth one, when it's closely connected to their personal values. And yet, what do we, when we look at organizations, what, what's the most uh, uh, common approach to developing leaders or teams? It's to remove them from the, the, their day-to-day work, uh, put an instructor in front of them, um, and, and create this long episode, if you will. And while those can be very valuable, one of the things that's critical is that after that experience, they have the opportunity to learn from their peers on the job. In small episodes, and make sure that it's closely connected to their values. And so we've, we've uh, developed and refined a process over the last twenty-five years—a sustainability process that comes uh, before and after our face-to-face instructor-led programs—that ensures that 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 learning, that critical development, is 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 actually happening.
1: Okay, nice. Because I, you know, as you were describing that, one of the things I was thinking is I have gone away, you know, for just what you're describing, leadership development. You go away for a few days, you have an instructor and have found those to be very, very helpful to me, if only if, you know, at the very base level as reflection time, which we don't normally take in our lives to be able to kind of step back and think through things and think through things in a different context or through a different lens. Uh, but you're you're right, because then what I found also when I come back on the job Translating that to anything beyond just personal development, but translating that to being a more effective leader, interacting with people differently, uh, that becomes more of a challenge. You know, there's old habits, there's old patterns, there's just, and on both sides, uh, you know, I have habits on how I interact with people and they have habits on how they interact with me. And we've developed those, you know, for the entire time that we've known each other through that relationship. So, so what does that ongoing uh, episodic support look like? How, how could we emulate that um, just in, in our, our own daily lives as we're thinking about our own personal yeah, development?
2: You, that's really a key question. And if your listeners are serious about creating change and growth and development, um, boy, I encourage them to listen to the question you just asked, because that's huge. Uh, in our book, Do Big Things, we actually talk about it. We call it the dirty fish tank method. Uh, and the dirty fish tank method is the approach that most organizations use in developing their leaders. The dirty fish tank very simply is this. Um, imagine you walk into an office and there's this fish tank, but it's filled with yellow, scummy water. It even smells a little bit. And you can barely see these fish floating around or you know, swimming around in there. And in comes some some fish tank cleaners. Yeah, they've got the, the bib overalls and they've, they've got their equipment. And, and you're watching them and they take a little net and they scoop a fish out. And then they put them in a little, the fish in a little dish and they scrub the fish, they clean the fish and then they put it back in the tank. And then you say, you know, what are you doing? And, and they look at you and say, well, you're, you know, you're crazy. We're, we're cleaning this fish tank. <laughs> well, you're not cleaning the fish tank by giving the, the fish a bath. Um, and, and what you're talking about, Brock, is so huge. We, yes, we can develop leaders um, in, in isolation, but it's incremental. If we don't also change the system within which they're operating, and so developing leaders in the context of their team, if you truly want to transform thinking and actions, uh, it's it's really the only way you can do it, um, and that's 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 really the only way we do it. Uh, and so now, to your point, when you are going through with a peer and you're learning, you. How to how to get energized around a shared reality that establishes a norm that's different than the patterns of your behaviors before. Now I've got automatic accountability, because if you know what I know and I show up different and, and not in agreement and, and not consistent with what we've just discussed and explored, accountability is, is there. Right. And so I can immediately self adjust. I can immediately self correct um, and, and therefore sustain what we've been learning.
1: I was uh laughing to myself as you were describing that because you know the idea of cleaning the fish tank by cleaning each fish individually uh, is, is absolutely ridiculous and yet is such a great analogy. It happens <laughs> all
2: over
1: of uh, yeah how we tend to approach things and um it, it's funny it almost puts the blame on the fish for being dirty um versus giving them an environment where they can thrive in
2: Brock, what you just said um, can't be that that man, that just... cannot be overstated that and that's so sad right because this is exactly what happens they they invest hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop these leaders these high potential leaders doesn't matter who they send them off to these you know elite uh centers of academia and others and then they come back and there's a little change essentially what organizations are doing is they're spending hundreds if not millions of dollars to build the resumes of their leaders, the credentials of their leaders, the academic credentials, um, when in fact they're they're affecting very little change within their organization.
1: So, what can the average person, average business owner, average you know person who's a leader in an organization, but maybe isn't getting this this type of training, even at even at the level that we've been discussing, uh, you know, not only is the fish tank dirty, but they stay dirty as well. What can the average person do? How can they kind of take charge or, or take control of their development? Is there, are there any simple things that that tend to get the biggest bang yes. for the buck? Uh, and, and this is,
2: I, I don't know. Um, I don't want to um, suggest that that this can be uh, that this is easy because there's there's reality, right? We're, we're so many organizations get stuck in doing what's normal. And what we want to encourage people to do is actually do what's natural. And so I would encourage your listeners, the leaders, the people that are running businesses to to trust their instincts. You know, if we could lean on Covey for a moment, Stephen Covey and his work, Seven Habits. Of course, he talked about the need to sharpen the saw. And that parable is such a such a strong one, even today, that you can get out there and you can every single day use your saw. But the saw is going to get dull and you're working really, really hard and not getting anywhere It's a it's so well documented in research that we need as human beings to to step back, to to take time to reflect. And when you do that as a team, as a unit, you will become stronger. You will become more efficient. You will be able to execute your plans with excellence. And I ultimately answer your question. I'm sorry, Brock, I get so excited. I would encourage leaders to start with what we call the three do big things decisions. And and just honestly, have this discussion with your team. It takes 10 minutes in your next meeting. And share these three decisions and then assess how well are we making these decisions. The first one is is the contributor decision. Am I bringing my best to every interaction with my teammates? That's it. Am I bringing my best to the situation? That's the contributor decision. The second decision is the activator decision. Am I choosing to bring out your best? in our interactions. Because this these are all choices. These are human choices. And then the third decision is what we call the connector decision. And that is, are we together then choosing to partner across the enterprise to bring our to deliver our shared objectives? And your your listeners as, as they do this and they just have a 10 minute discussion. Once you have that 10 minute discussion, if you're willing to reinforce those the language of those three decisions, I promise you, I promise you, you'll begin to see and hear your teammates bring that language to meetings. And suddenly, in the middle of a meeting, when there's uh, unproductive conflict, someone's going to say, Hey, wait a minute, how do we make the activator decision more effectively here? And instantly, the awareness muscles will fire for people and they will shift their thinking and actions to more productive approaches. <laughs> So love the the
1: the practical straightforward approach here, Craig. So it was contributor, activator, and what was the decision. third category? Nice. And, and some, for those just listening to this as they're driving or jogging or whatever, and don't have a notepad with them, just help reinforce it. So contributor was, am I bringing my best to the situation? Activator was, am I choosing to bring out your best? And contributor was, are we together choosing to? Yeah, through, and through I. One. Forget how you phrased it, but actually, the third one organization. connector
2: connector decision is: uh, Are we choosing to partner across, you know, across uh, functions, across the enterprise, across the business to deliver our shared objectives?
1: Very cool. So, um, and thank you for the the, the practical tips. I, I you know, I, I I know we're breaking down some really big ideas um, into small pieces. And yet those are very powerful ideas. And so, so thank you for sharing those, Craig. Let's switch gears just a little bit here because you bring to this conversation uh, a couple of different sides, a couple of different approaches. So one is you help individuals and leaders perform better, but as a business owner, you also bring just that, that entrepreneurial experience to the conversation. So I'd love to touch on that as well. Now, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, Veris Global has been around for about 25 years, uh, now operates globally. For you, what have been some of the challenges or maybe some of the lessons of being an entrepreneur that um, that, that you could share or you advise people that, you know, want to be entrepreneurs? Because Entrepreneurship, I think, um, is really cool and also gets overly glamorized. You know, we see the high sides, we see the highlight reels, but we don't always see the, the tougher things. And yet, from, from my experience, you know, the tougher things are probably more of the day than the, the, the bright, shiny things. Um, it, so I, I'm babbling in my question. I'm going to shut up now, Craig. Okay. I, and no, just it's let such you answer a good that, question.
2: So. And while we operate globally, we do work locally. Uh, and so work with mid-sized and small companies alike. I was just working with a, a leader. It's, this is domestically, so it's in the U.S. Um, he's got a very small firm. And so it was through our executive advisement there. And, and I'll share just a couple of significant breakthroughs for, for that leader to answer your question. And the reason I, I'm thinking about this particular case study, if you will, is because I, I had to learn these lessons myself. And so that ultimately is is the transparency you're asking for, and um, I think might serve your listeners. In this particular case, I, the, the leader was, um, and I, I want to be really respectful here. Uh, let's just set some context. Incredibly good person, inc- high ethics, um, and and re- a tremendous vision for his business. Yet what what this person was lacking was the understanding that it fundamentally. One must decide as an entrepreneur, what is the end game? And so many people running businesses, and again, I, I'll use myself in the early days, you, you'll say, well, I'll get to that end game when I know the end game's coming. But for now, I'm young, I've got a lot of energy and so forth. But what I discovered and what I shared with his leaders, it goes far beyond that. And it comes down to this. Are you building your b- business as a, as a growth business and, and for the purposes of selling it? Or is it a lifestyle business? And, and a lifestyle business means, I, you know, yes, I might sell it later, but really it's about creating a lifestyle, just that for myself and my family that, that I, I, I want to have. All too often in this particular case, this leader was talking about growth, growth, growth. Um, I'm going to sell it. But when you looked at where they were spending and investing, it was really a lifestyle business for him. And uh, this was, was causing what, what are the ramifications of that? Um, he had people, of course, talented people that were leaving his business because uh, he was saying we we're we we're dedicating ourselves to growth, certain margins and so forth. Yet when you looked at where they were spending, uh, it, it wasn't reflective of that. So an inconsistency there. I've got a couple other lessons I've shared, but I'll pause Brock. So I'm not talking too much and see if you have any thoughts on that one.
1: Yeah. So actually in that, this may be a slightly separate thought or it may actually just be taking it a little deeper. Uh, you know, one of the things we were just chatting about before we started recording was just the idea of the growth strategy, not aligning with the business model, which I think is what you're getting at right there. Just the the approach that we're taking to growing the business. is isn't actually how we are trying to run the business. Um, I, I, am I correct? No, there, or is it's very, that a very much connected
2: piece? because I'm sitting right next to that. I would encourage, and I encouraged. Uh, it, this was not particular with this leader that I'm talking about, but it's it's consistent with what we see across the board, myself included. Is what is your business model? Um, and as entrepreneurs, it's really important to understand. And, and I subscribe. There are different models out there, but I, I will, I will, I like to keep it simple, simple, simple for myself and other people. Um, and I like to think of three business models, one being customer centricity, customer relationship being one. Um, number two is an innovation. You're, you're innovating and you're bringing something new to the market. It's easy to think of, of course, um, software companies are the rage right now, of course. Um, that would be that type of model. And then the third model is operational excellence. You're, you're manufacturing something. You're, you've got a widget. And you need to build as many of them in a high quality fashion as possible. Um, And so if you break it down to those three models, then sitting next to that is, okay, if we are dedicating ourselves to growth, uh, acquiring the business development, if you will, what is your strategy and making sure your strategy lines up with your business model? And so, for example, if you are advertising um, and attempting to acquire new customers but you are a customer centric or customer relationship business model, you're not going to grow very much <laughs> because if, if you, the mechanism with which you're selling is you're probably selling something that is a, a top tier service or product um, and requires a high level of intimacy and trust between you and your market, your clients, then advertising is going to be um, you're going to have to invest a lot of money in advertising, uh, traditional advertising, I want to emphasize if you're going to if you're going to see a return. And so that would be an example of a disconnect. And so in summary, understand your model so then you can understand uh, your, your 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 growth or your your um, I'll just keep it, you know, s- stick with that, your growth strategy.
1: Nice. So you you'd mentioned uh, you, you had some other examples as well of just lessons and, you know, learned over the years. It's,
2: it's one thing. The third one is is it's so important to understand uh, what exactly are your values um, and then the relationship with that, with the culture. I think that, um, and, and we can lean on, you know, Lencioni uh, for this. He's, he's done such fabulous work. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of his efforts. And when we talk about in our work being energized around a shared reality, that really has its roots in our values and then how those values show up in our culture and I don't care if there's two people in a company, five people or or you know hundreds of thousands within a company. And one of the mistakes that we see early for young businesses um, and even you know you could make the case for for those that um, you know have been around for a while, is the mistake they make between their uh, those core values. Um, And then we'll use the term aspirational values. In summary, your business, in order to survive and grow, it needs people to think and act in certain ways. Now, there are two types of values. There are the values that don't change. Lencioni and so many others call those core values. But then it also, given a plan that we have, a strategy that we have for 2019, It needs us, the business needs us to also think and act in new or different ways. Well, those are not your core values. Core values are what you have in your DNA and are your non-negotiables. You as a business owner will quit doing this if those values are not present. However, it's also important to understand whether we call them aspirational values, you call them principles. Uh, At Veris Global, we call them our truths. Um, and there's specific thinking and actions, things that the business needs us to do beyond our core values in order to deliver on our, our plans, our strategies. That would be the third one I would emphasize. All right, so Craig, since you you mentioned that
1: you know we, we can't go against our core values or we won't go against them. Can you give me an example of uh, just a core value? And how maybe that isn't enough, and so we need this this aspirational value. As you're talking, I, I picture it layered on top. Yeah, you know, However, it. they
2: um, here's an example. I use Vers Global as an example. And Brock, um, we've got a relationship, so you could speak to this yourself. Um, one of our values, we've got five core values. One of our values is uh, that you are we are we function as one team. That we are, and that shows up. We're all in, and we have each other's backs. Um, I'm a big relationship person and the integrity to relationships is really, really, really big. And and so we attract and have as teammates and, you know, even our contractors. That's just how we function. Um, And when someone is not consistent with that, it it's they're not going to be long with us. And when we get out of whack with that collectively, boy, everybody in our team is empowered. It doesn't matter what your role, you're empowered to raise your hand. And say w- we're out of we're out of alignment with that, um, and let's talk about that. So that's a core value. I will quit doing this work if we don't show up that way. Now we call them our truths. Other companies call them uh, behavioral principles. Um, others call them aspirational values. For us, one of them would be um, I'm going I'm going to use this one transparency. Now. There's some people listening that say, whoa, 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 transparency would be a core. That'd be a non-negotiable. And I could see us making the case for that. But one of the things that I found is that our workplace is a, is a place for us to find, is, is an is a, is a, is a, is a opportunity for us to self-actualize as human beings. And so I, as a business owner, am learning every day and every year. I'm learning how to be even more transparent with, let's be honest, with the numbers. I own the business, and and I've it's taken me a while to get comfortable with an open book management approach, if you will, where where teammates can see the same numbers I'm seeing, and and so that transparency is one of our truths that we aspire to because it's who we want to be moving forward. But it's not a non negotiable. It's something that we're learning to do and more uh, uh, demonstrate more effectively. I, I hope that example makes sense. Uh,
1: definitely. Actually, that that was very helpful. Uh, I was uh, struggling a little bit to imagine how you know the new values worked with non-negotiables, but but from your description, I can see how they they enhance it or extend it uh, and support it versus you know working against it. So as we wrap up here today, Craig and. and Fabulous conversation, fabulous ideas. Really appreciate all the thoughts and the the authenticity and the transparency of giving examples from, from your own life and your own learning. Let me yeah, ask this, uh, uh, where can people global. find you?
2: So V is in Victor, V-E-R-U-S, global.com uh, is the easiest way to do it. You can also find our most recent book, widely published it. It's called Do Big Things. It's in all uh, all the places where you'd find great books. Um, those would be two of the approaches. And, um, you know, I encourage anyone that, that simply wants to talk further about what we've discussed here. Our team loves doing that. And so, yeah, reach out.
1: Excellent. And, and final question for you, Craig, uh, always ask the guests is how can the audience help you out? What, what would your yeah. ask of the listeners uh, be?
2: <laughs> the answer is, is um, seems so straightforward. Uh, but I, I couldn't be more passionate about it. You know, it's not about helping me; it's about helping. There, there's a movement afoot. I really believe it. I believe our world needs more forward-focused leaders. It needs leaders to to step up and say, "Hey, wait a minute. We can get where we need to go in a way that builds people and builds partnerships. And and we do not need to subscribe to uh, an approach, whether it's in the local communities and our businesses. Um, or even at national or international levels, um, I, I would suggest, I would encourage your listeners to trust their instincts and, and, and hold fast to the understanding that we can move forward as a collective in ways that, that are good for, for everyone. It's not easy to do, and that's why we see alternative approaches being, being taken, but um, that would be my ask.
1: Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What, what are you going to take from this show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrifit. Now, I tried Nutrifit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made Nutrifit different is one, that it mixes immediately and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutriFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives, Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that Nutrifit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code Action, And that's written as one word, just Take Action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on NutriFit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So NutriFit.net. And let me know what you think.